Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. When scaling and building a CS team or organization, how do you prioritize the work needed to create against delivering results? This was anonymous. If somebody wrote this and wants to come off of mute and maybe provide a little bit more context, um, I would love for that to happen. Um, if you can, if you did write it, if nobody- Hey, Jeff, take it's Matt. Uh, my, awesome. Did you write it, Matt? Uh, I did on behalf of the team. I think there was probably um, a few of us in there. Um, obviously, most of you know, and you know, Jeff, that I've started a new role at Cision. And I think there were a few of us, Marcus and Rosalind, that were part of my group. We spoke around exactly that. You want to create, you want to build processes and all of this that's going on. Um, but you still have to deliver results. You've still got CEOs and chief customer officers saying, well, yeah, what about this, this retention number? What about this net revenue retention that we've got to be impacting and delivering? So how do you separate the, the two or can you separate the two? And I mean, I still refer back to one of the oldest YouTube videos that, um, that was shared with me 10, 12 years ago of flying that aeroplane with no windows, no doors, people <laughs> flying and holding on for dear life. That is customer success and customer experience for 12 years now for me. Um, so yeah, open to hear what great ideas everyone else has. I mean, we shared a few things that we're doing, but. Awesome. I love, uh, I love this topic. I think this is something that we're experiencing right now. I mean, let me tell you, my chief customer officer is a pain in the ass. He's asking me <laughs> left and right to get shit done. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think it's something that we're, I mean, I can, I can shed light on what we're doing and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the situation who can, can talk about it as well. Uh, Andrew, it looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Uh, and then we'll hopefully get some more. So the way that, um, that, that I've done this in the past as both an operational executive and working with, with uh, some of our clients as, in, in a consulting capacity is um, focusing on uh, what are defined as the, the moments of truth right? And prioritizing those things, right? Those moments of truth are those things that are going to make or break your relationship with a customer. So while we're doing all of the tactical uh, operational stuff to keep, keep the plane up in the air, uh, you know, what are the, the key things that are going to have the greatest impact on improving that customer experience, on, on, on helping the customer uh, uh, derive their desired outcomes, right? And, and looking and, and so grouping together those moments of truth and prioritizing those kind of you know, allows you to focus on some of the key things uh, and, then, you know, and, and, and prioritize those and figure out what to work on first. That, that has, has been a very helpful approach to help kind of stream, streamline down the list of things that we need to work on. I don't know if that, yeah. that answered your question, but that's, that's how we've approached it. That's, that's how our methodology, our consulting methodology works. Um, and, and that's actually something we're going to be sharing with folks next, next month as well. So, yeah, I just like the way you talk about moments of truth, Andrew, because I think sometimes people get caught up in maybe designing this beautiful and intricate customer journey and, and how do you build an end to end piece? And, and it gets very big, broad, very quickly. And so I like the idea of just like you said, like what are the core moments that we can actually go impact now? Um, and I think that's something that we tried to do at, at higher logic when we first went in as well. Um, Jay, I know you were raising your hand if you wanted to maybe shed light on some of the things that we've been trying to do here in the early days of uh, higher logic. Well, yeah, I can, I can just give you, um, I'll go real quick through it. Cause there's some other people that have their hands raised. So I want to hear from them, but we're using the advantage as our, as our sort of our management framework. And I'm not sure if you've heard of the advantage or not, but it's um, Patrick Lencioni, very well-known business author, um, great thinker. And what, so the way I think about it, there's obviously you want to have a theme of what you're doing as a, as a business, but underneath that, there are, there are objectives that you hit, that you want to hit as a part of that theme. So part of what we want to do is we want to increase our retention. We know to increase our retention, we have to train our customers. We have to, um, 
we have to improve the way we're engaging with our customers and make sure we have full coverage. We have to train our team. So there's some things that fall under that. Underneath that, there's what they call standard operating objectives. And those are the things you just can't lose sight of, right? We've got to maintain uh, a certain level of bookings for the business. We have to maintain a certain um, uh, baseline retention rate and a certain renewal rate a certain EBITDA rate. So there, there's, there's standard operating objectives that you don't want to lose sight of on your scoreboard. But the thing about the defining objectives, the things that you really want to change are the things that are problematic in the business today that you know are impacting the, sta the, the, the standard operating objectives. So separating it out and creating metrics that help us understand if we're making progress in those areas and then how those uh, sort of near-term objectives are going to impact the longer-term objectives is has been a helpful exercise for us to go through. We're actually using that as a company as well, that whole structure. So it's helpful that everybody's on the same page with the same kind of language. So I, I realize it's a little bit abstract in the way I described it, but that's that's what we're doing, Matt, and it's it's been really helpful. Awesome. I have nothing to add because it's my chief customer officer, so I have to agree with them. Um, Rebecca, it looks true. like you've had your... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Rebecca, it looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, um, and my point is going to be really a simple one, but um, it's the idea of giving those folks who are the best at solving customer problems, the best at handling the difficult issue, firefighting, whatever that, making sure they have the bandwidth and the time to be able to prioritize some of the best practices. I think that's something that we have a challenge with if Hopefully you have a place where you have someone in CS operations. Step number one, do you even have CS operations? Um, but if you do, that sometimes is a separate role as opposed to the people who are really have their hands dirty, the, the cowboys, as I like to call them, right? Who are the ones who are really solving those cross-functional challenges for your um your organization and dealing with those strategic accounts. So it's having allowing them to have some of the time to help carve out what are the best practices and processes that can then be followed by others, by smaller segments um, and such. Awesome. Thank you, Rebecca. That's a, that's a good example too of just CS operations and how that's becoming a critical role in a lot of uh, customer organizations that we've heard um, before as well. One other thing, Matt, that could be interesting that I think, I don't know if Jay mentioned this explicitly in his answer. I think one of the, the best things that we did when we started getting things off the ground, we went and just listened to customers and to our internal teams for about 30 days before we actually made any plans or any decisions. And I think that helped us get a huge amount of context. Uh, and it kind of goes back to, to Andrew's point earlier, right? Do we have the right context to say which are the, the most problem areas or areas that we can make the biggest impact? And so listening to customers directly for 30 days was a challenge because I think we wanted to jump in and start you know, impacting things immediately and start moving things around. But Doing that, I think, was a really big impact for us. Um, just as another call out, uh, David, and then we'll hit on Nils, and then we'll uh, we'll move on to maybe the next question. But David, what are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, so I, I would say if you have a really good, robust voice of the customer program, then you should know where those critical issues are coming from. Um, it's great to start with interviews, but long term, you want to make sure you keep up with that. I would say, you know, I've done it both ways. I've looked at where we needed to scale, and I've also looked at you know, how do I measure the results and, and, and where do I find the impact? And what I've, what I've tended to do is I look at the areas that will bring the biggest bang to the most customers. So if it's issue resolution, you know, what are, the, what, are the, what are the common issues that are really impacting more customers, right? If it's product development and functionality, you know, what is that piece of functionality that more customers want than anybody else wants? And that's, and that's where we kind of prioritize our time. And then the other thing I would look at is, high paying customers, right? Enterprise customers, right? If you only have a limited amount of time, focus on those high impact or high value customers versus 
the long tail, even though there may be more long tail customers that could benefit something that might be the lowest revenue point for you. Yeah, I agree with you about the uh, robust customer uh, voice of customer program. I think that's becoming uh, more and more critical to making sure you've got a pulse on what the customers actually want and need in order to be successful. Um, Nils, what are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, Jeff, thanks. Um, so building on what many of you touched on already, um, I think the single most important thing is understanding what is important to the business as you go through the growth and scale stage. And the risk here comes from being in a position that is not well understood by most parts of most organizations, being the new kid on the block, right? Everybody knows what sales does, everybody knows what marketing does, everybody knows what product does, nobody knows what CS does. And if we take the tact that we have to grow and scale this thing the way we think it should be done, um, kind of in a more of a silo because we're experts in this area, we run the risk of alienating ourselves from what's going on inside the business. So step number one, if I were in a leadership position trying to battle this question would be understanding from the key stakeholders in the organization, what are the demands on the customer success area or on the customer experience overall from the organization, right? If Jay, like Jay was saying, if it's retention, then everything I do to grow and scale is gonna be focused on retention. If it's on advocacy, then everything I do to grow and scale is gonna be focused on advocacy. And I'm gonna build it in little pieces over time, but it has to be in sync and in service of the greater um, objectives of the company. And if you understand what that is at a deep level for each individual stakeholder, CEO, CRO, CCO, whatever it is, then you can have a much better chance of success and delivering against that as a way to prioritize as opposed to going about it just the way we think we should. That's my take. Awesome. I love it. Get, getting uh, clear instructions, right? Sometimes the communication internally is just as important as communication externally. So I like that. Uh, Matt, anything your group mentioned maybe that we, you haven't heard so far that would be good to throw out there? Or uh, do you feel like we, we gave, you, gave you some uh, newer things that you guys didn't mention? No, I think a lot of newer things in there. All good stuff. Awesome. Perfect. Well, uh, we'll move on maybe to the next question that we've got in the Slido. And, um, it is, how are you driving your onboarding experience to time to first value? Uh, I'll be honest, I threw this out there. This is something I'm working on. So this is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll call a spade a spade. I threw out a question, you guys upvoted it, and this is very beneficial to me. Uh, so we're, we're going through an experience right now where I think it's really hard for our teams to think about how to boil something down into very simple terms of like, what is the moment of first value that our customer gets? We have a very robust platform. It can do so many different things. We can literally impact as much as we want, right? But it's really, I think becoming a challenge to say like, these are the first couple of things that we need our customer to do. And this is the moment very, even though it's very, very small, very, very minute, this is the moment of kind of first value. And so then how are we kind of building that onboarding experience? So I'm just curious um, out there, just how you all think about time to first value, maybe for some of your products. And then also how do you kind of tailor that onboarding experience or personalize it, whichever word you want to use um, to make sure that it's actually driving towards that time to first value or time to value, whichever metric that you're using. Um, so I think that is a question that I'm trying to throw out there right now. I would love to hear more. Uh, and David, that is a great question in the chat, which is, David just asked me since I just talked about how we talked to customers for the first 30 days. He said, uh, you know, did you ask your customers how they define value from your products? Um, so the answer is yes, we did ask that question, um, but I don't think we went deep enough. And so I think it's a good uh, point that you're making about how do, we, how do we make sure and follow up with that? Um, but Simon, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? My situation might be a little bit different, but I think it's still going to be interesting to hear about. Our product is a long-term, we sign at least a one-year, maybe three-year contract. So we look at time to value where we want to see something in the first three months because we take that value that we've gotten in the first three months and in the second three months, we use it to publicize across the organization to try to expand our footprint there. And usually the way we look at value is driven by what the customer's 
business strategy is and less about our product. We don't think about features in our product. We don't think about, is this guy using this feature or that feature set or how many models were deployed? We're thinking about what are the strategic objectives of our customers? So I have one customer and one of their objectives was to increase the sales of a particular um, service contracts business that they have. So our product is sort of like a data science platform and the key focus of those first three months was getting a model into production that would help them increase the sales of those service contracts. And what they did was they built a model that helped better associate, better um, describe the risk that a customer would face without getting the service contract. And they were able to win a very, very large contract in those first three months. So we were basically putting the onus on the customer to um, define what would be valuable to them and then holding them accountable for achieving it and giving them every possible resource to get there. Yeah, I love the point you just brought up in the very beginning, which is also just, you know, it's not even focused on our product, right? Uh, like we're enabling some sort of business outcome. And so if we can tie it back to a tangible business outcome, then, um, you know, that's a clear clear win, um, especially when you think about value that it's driving. So I yeah, like and definitely try to get the value from the customer. Like, I don't want to go into a customer and say, I think you could save $3 million by doing X. I want the customer to say, I want to say to them, what do you think you could achieve if you were to do this successfully? And they give me the number because then they can't dispute that number. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Simon, for the example. It's good. Um, Jim, looks like you got your hand raised. Yeah. So um, similar, I started, started here at my company in, in June. Um, and so worked with my other departments, the other department heads to try to understand what their goals were. Obviously, we went around, we talked to our customers to try to understand um, what they were getting from us and what, how they viewed us. Um, but then what we were able to do is I was able to partner with our head of sales to say, okay, now with every single sale, I need to understand what are your top three items that you're purchasing this for? What are you looking to obtain? What pain are you looking to alleviate? Um, and we put that in every single um, checklist and, and handoff between sales to the onboarding team. Um, and then we obviously touch on that throughout the onboarding process. And then before we sign it off and say that it's a go live, we absolutely, we, we check off with them to make sure that those three things have been attained and if they feel comfortable with that. And that's our at least minimum jumping off point. And then from there, we're able to then continue to grow the relationship. But at least by that confirmation that the customer feels comfortable with the three reasons they purchased our system um, makes us feel better about where, where they're going to be long-term. Yeah, in that example too, Jim, do you, as you start thinking about maybe the education or uh, community training, whatever you kind of are thinking about during that onboarding experience, do you also tailor that to a different outcome? So like, if I, if I want to achieve A versus B, you know, does that change how you're, how I'm going through onboarding as a, you know, whether it's training on the platform or thinking about uh, different configurations and things that need to happen? Uh, is that kind of tailoring that experience as well? Those, those points you just mentioned? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we have, um, we have our base package, but then we also have a pro package. And then we also have, you know, 15 or 16 different other applications that you can layer on top of that. So depending upon what your goals and your objectives are and which purchase, which platform you've purchased, it really depends on uh, the way that we roll out that training and that onboarding. So, um, but we start again with understanding what are your top three things and what are you looking to alleviate? Uh, what, what pain is, is causing you so much stress that you decided to purchase us. And then from there, it just the sky's the limit. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Dan, looks like you got your hand raised. Yeah, um, I've been here long enough. I think I can finally raise my hand. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm a sales guy, and I'm just curious because um, we've always tried in sales to get to the ROI piece. Because if you get to that, it's kind of like the holy grail. If, if there's return that's considerably over what you paid, it'd actually be bad for the client to actually not renew. And I'm just curious, though, that the challenge that I've experienced, I'm curious to hear if other people have experienced and if they found a way to, I guess, alleviate this issue is that depending on who you're talking to at different levels in client success or marketing or whatever, where you go, 
the view is very different. And so it's hard to get a, uh, them to all converge. You know, you might be talking to a person who's sort of on the front lines and they have to think the problem is X or the, what they're after is X. And you talk to somebody three levels up and they're, they're in Y or Z or even further away. And it's, it's a, it's a, when, it's, when it's resolved, when that issue is resolved, it's beautiful. I mean, you can just get such, uh, so close to the client. But I'm just curious if, if others are running into that and how hard of a challenge they find that to be to really get to a consensus on what the client is going to consider a success. Yeah. So even just trying to define the value in the first place, um, trying to make sure that there's alignment from the organization. Uh, so anybody have any thoughts here? Any examples? Raise hands. Anybody talking about how to kind of converge all of these uh, value points into making sure it's you know something that's cohesive and maybe at least somewhat um, accurate? James, looks like you had your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, um, one of my thoughts was just drilling down in the sales process, and if there are multiple departments involved, making sure you're going, okay, what else? What else? Don't answer the first objection or the first problem that needs to be solved or the first need or the first ROI measurement. What else? What else? Get the full picture before you really throw out the solution or the, the ROI value you're going to present. Yeah. And to your point, I have found some success that way. Uh, we had a technique, if you will, really complicated technique. It was why, why, why? About the time you hit, hit the third why, they're actually getting to the value. First something, first is just sort of something that's out here. It's not really value yet. And each time you ask why, like, why is that important to you? They go one level deeper and about the third time that helps. I just was curious if, if there was other ways. Uh, and that's a great way. It's definitely effective. And the, the other thing I'll say, and this might be part of the challenge too, is, and I'm a sales guy, so they know this, they know that, that the reason I'm asking is so that I can cost justify things. And they're, I think sometimes worried to get into the value if the value that you're providing them is much higher than what the cost is of your solution. Uh, they, they know that you could potentially push on up the price when they go for the renewal. I wouldn't do that. I'm a nice salesman, but other people might do that. Yeah. Well, and it, it comes back on the customer success team later on. Right. So I think it's a continues to be a good question. And, uh, you had a couple of people mentioned Marcus and Andrew kind of the five whys, just like you talked about Dan as, uh, as something that they've used before, Matt, what are some of your thoughts here? So I kind of just taking a quick peek through the participants just to see if he was around. I like to take a line from Kevin Leonar, um, what he likes to use at Ring Central, where what's the cost of what you would incur without us being here? And let's just start there. And as long as you can see, hey, you're definitely saving money by having us here, that's, that's it. Because then that's, you know, forgetting about, what it costs to have us or anything like that, just holy, what would, what would it cost for your organization to operate without us even being here? And as long as you can maintain that, because then that, that sets two markers. That sets that one, that the understanding of the, of the relationship is a constant, but two, then the production from what you're bringing to the table is also worth it, but also uh, uh, in tune to what your customers are looking for and working well. So I just, I like that simple metric, uh, if one may call it that, I know it doesn't have much of an acronym, but it's just very simple. Hey, you know, if you save money with us, then it would cost you money to leave us, if anything. But I would say we have to be cautious about using that too, right? Because customers are wise too, right? If we're pushing too much on, oh, you're getting 10x that, like they, they fear that we're going to then try to charge them more if we're emphasizing, like there, there's a balance on how you have that ROI conversation, right? We can't be too pushy about, you know, what they would, what the alternatives might be. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of veiled on both sides, right? Uh, the customer has reasons to uh, hide some of that just be, because they don't want the price increase, and then we've got a veiled on our side because we want to increase price, right? Like there is this 
So I think there has to be this way that you're uh, you're coming to. And I think this is where the relationship standpoint of of customer success and understanding how we can actually get um, into a relationship that is beneficial for both sides. Understanding you know what the outcomes are that we're trying to achieve. Um, and how do we actually succinctly put that together uh, becomes part of the job, you know, of us on the front lines. Um, perfect. I think, Jay, were you about to say something? Uh, why don't you go ahead and let Simon go? Okay, cool. Simon, we'll hit on you okay. and then we'll hit on Jay. Yeah, I was just going to tie that back to the why, why, why to the example that I used in that um, when I was working with my client, understanding the high level business objectives of the CEO and the C-level executives was that they wanted to increase the sales of this particular product offering. And then thinking about what those objectives for people below them would mean. And you know, if I would think about people managing the data science team, the data science managers would have an objective of putting more models into production because for every single customer they wanna sell a service contract to, they need to make a model. So for them, the KPI would be to have more models into production. For the CEO, the KPI would be I want to see an increase in my service contracts that I sold. So how much did I sell in service contracts this quarter versus last quarter? So thinking through the why, why, why really helps understand at each level, what are the different KPIs that are going to achieve that ultimate end goal? Yeah. One of the things when Dan first asked the question that I thought of is, you know, um, we, I think we talk a lot in customer success about having relationship maps at organizations and understanding the different personas involved where people are kind of, you know, the roles that they play in buying or the roles that they play in the organization, kind of where the power might exist. And um, I think you can take that same concept. And I think where you were going down, Simon, which is basically like, hey, let's think about that same relationship map and then start associating goals um, and outcomes with each of those roles or personas. And then that way you can actually play it back to the customer in that way as well. That says, hey, I understand your CEO is going to be thinking about this, but I know that you're thinking about this. And really those should be leading indicators into what the CEO really cares about, which is the lagging indicator anyways, right? They want to sell more service contracts, that's a lagging indicator. So theoretically, the day-to-day -day user that you're working with should be thinking about what's the leading indicator to that. Uh, and so those should actually naturally be a progression anyways. And it, it also helps your customer. Now you actually have something that they can go back internally and use in the inside of their organization to say, hey, I'm gonna defend the value of, of the, the software or the tool that we're using by having this, this type of uh, hierarchy or layer of, of outcomes that we're trying to achieve. Jay, yeah, what are- 100%, the account mapping is like so crucial, just being able to see who falls into place and what their persona is just right in front of you. Huge help in that. Awesome. Jay, what are your yeah, thoughts here? I, I was, I was going to say something very similar to what you said. We talk about a lot, making our customer, like our main point of contact, the hero of the story. And you do that by helping them talk to their boss and their boss's boss in a way that they, they expect you to. And I think Dan, to hit on your point, the transition and how, we go from selling into customer success and, and sort of continue those conversations at both a strategic and a tactical level and tie them together is really important. And that's how we don't, you know, how we don't lose the beat. I don't think you have to have a hard ROI. I think you have to be able to tell the story. And a lot of times we get lost. I know we do trying to tell a hard ROI story or make a calculator when we just need to be telling a story uh, and, and a story that's credible enough to, to work with our points of contact and the executives and our customers. And so that's, that's what we're working on. But I think we should at some point, I know we're out of time, but we should come back to the time to first value question too, because there's more to unpack there. Yep. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, we are at time. Um, I'm hoping maybe next meeting we, uh, we get to hear more from um, some of our great female members of Gangro Rotain. I feel like uh, we uh, we've got so many of them. So I'm going to try and, and pull some of them out uh, into the conversation next week, but uh, Thank you all for joining. If you haven't yet, make sure to go to gangrotain.com and join us. There's a ton of great conversation. I'm going to go add some of these questions we talked about today over there. Um, there's really, Jay and I have been 
crazy about looking at uh, all the discussions that are happening daily, um, things that are going on. So there's a ton of great activity um, topics, things that are happening. We're going to be working on those small groups for next year and thinking about how do we uh, enable some of these volunteer positions. So if you want to help out, uh, have any ideas, just feel free to shoot me an email and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you all next week. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.